Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for this good day, because it is indeed a gift from you, Lord. The earth is yours in all of its fullness, Lord. It's, you hold all things together. By you, all things consist, Lord. So we thank you for who you are, Lord. We, we pause the week as a new week begins. We, we hit pause right now, Lord, to just shut off everything else. Lord, to all the distractions that this world can bring us, Lord, and we turn our attention to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, it begins with you, it will end with you, Lord. The day will come when we will see you as you are, Lord. Today we walk by faith. Lord, we we see things dimly. We don't see things clearly, Lord, as it pertains to you. But that day will come, Lord, when we will be with you for all eternity, Lord. So we thank you, Lord, that we can have this moment here, Lord, in your presence. Because where two or more are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst. We love your presence, Lord, and we thank you that you are in our midst, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that we can have this time in your word, your holy word, Lord. We pray that we would be edified, Lord, that we would grow in the grace and in the knowledge of you, Lord, that you would open the eyes of our understanding, open our heart to know you, to understand your word, to understand your will for our lives as people here on this temporary earth in these temporary bodies. So we just acknowledge your greatness and your presence. We pray your blessing upon this time now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Something's on my heart here to read a scripture to you before I jump on into today's teaching, uh, because this will kind of tie into what we're going to talk about today, but I'll just read it to you. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and I want to read verses 13 and 14 here. It says, the things we also speak, not in words. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the believers in the city of Cornwall back at that time. The book is called Corinthians, and this was his first letter to him. The things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. Now, the thing I want to point out about that is when we gather like this, and we study the Word of God, or any time even in your own personal time when you read the Word of God, you have to understand that we're studying and you're reading a Word that is a living Word, as Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says. It speaks of the Bible. It says the Word of God is powerful. It's living. It's, it's, it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So it looks within us. The Word of God does. The Word of God is able to do something within us that man's wisdom cannot teach. Nothing that I could ever say. I can't be wise enough to ever teach you anything that will impact you like the Word of God does. So what I try to do, of course, is to just stick as close as I can to the Word of God in what I teach you. Now, so it says that. Then verse 14 says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Think about that. The natural man does not receive the things of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So what the Bible is, what the Word of God is pointing out here, 
is that we have to approach the Word of God with a spiritual understanding. And sometimes, you know, as we go through this life, as we go through the day-to-day activities that we do in this world, and all the distractions that are all around us, and all the things that our eyes see and that our ears hear, sometimes we yield more to the natural man and not the spiritual man. And sometimes we allow for a lack of peace to come into our lives, confusion, or whatever. But the Word of God teaches us in a spiritual way and causes us to grow in the knowledge of God through the spiritual man. So as we go through the Word of God today, I just kind of wanted to point that scripture out to you here to say, keep focused on that fact that as we study the Word of God it's spiritually powerful, okay? And it's going to do something spiritual. So don't try to look at it with your natural carnal mind where, you know, you say, oh, well, this is what I think, or this is what I think, right? Let the Word of God have its work. We've been studying through Matthew chapter 5 now for the last few times we gather. We're going to finish up Matthew chapter 5 today. But it's what's known as the Sermon on the Mount, right? Where Jesus teaches and, and it's just it's just chock full of red letters in your Bible where Jesus is teaching and it's what he wants us to know. It's how he says the Christian life should be. That's what's being portrayed to us here in this in these words of Jesus. Well that's what's portrayed to us throughout the Bible. But I'm saying more very specifically here, Jesus is saying this is how we need to be living. And it might be contrary to the natural man, this person on this earth that us, me, you, that understands things sometimes carnally, right? Or we understand what we can touch, what we can taste, what we can see or hear. But oftentimes we're not open to that which we can't see, the, you know, that which we can't hear, right? And that is, that is where faith comes into play. And we have to walk by faith and not by sight. So I'm just kind of, prefacing all of that here before we dive in. So Matthew chapter 5, if you can go ahead and open your Bibles up there. The last time we gathered together, we left off down in verse 19 of Matthew chapter 5. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 19, we, we, I taught on this verse last time, but I'll just read 19 again. Jesus says, whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Okay, And if you weren't here last time and you don't know what we taught or what we talked about there, or if you're listening via the internet, I, I encourage you to go to aloveoutreach.com or to soundcloud.com backslash aloveoutreach, and all the teachings are on there. But we're going to pick it up today in verse 20, where Jesus says, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Now that statement right there by Jesus, though it may not appear as such to you and I, but that was, I'm sure, a very shocking statement to the people 
that were in the presence of Jesus at that time and listening to what he was saying, right? Including his disciples. That might have been a very shocking statement. And the reason why I say it was a shocking statement is because as Jesus speaks of the scribes and the Pharisees here, he is speaking of people that were, at least from an outward appearance, they were very religious. And in many ways, they were very respected for their religious fervor. And he's saying that you need to have a righteousness that exceeds them. Okay? For example, the scribes in Israel back in that day were very astute men. They were the ones that thoroughly studied the law of God. They transcribed it and they wrote commentaries on it. It was their job to preserve Scripture. And they would copy by hand and recopy the Scriptures in a very meticulous way, right? In a very detailed manner. And if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have, if it wasn't for the scribes, we wouldn't have the Old Testament in our Bibles today, right? But unfortunately, though, the scribes didn't just stick to the written Word of God, but instead they added tradition to their interpretations, the traditions of men, they added to it, much like many popular religions of today do, right? It's the Word of God plus something else. It's the Word of God plus our traditions. The Word of God plus the way we do things, okay? But again, the point I want to drive home here as it relates to what Jesus says in verse 20 is that both the scribes and the Pharisees prided themselves and were respected by others as being very pious, very religious. And here Jesus is saying that if you want to see the kingdom of heaven, then your righteousness must exceed. You must do far better than the scribes and the Pharisees did when it comes to your righteousness and my righteousness. And then Jesus is going to go ahead here in verse 21 and give detailed examples of just what he means, right? He says here, starting in verse 21, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, Whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, You fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Now that word Raka there in verse 22 is a word that means senseless and empty-headed. It's like calling someone stupid today or a moron, right? So, you see, what Jesus is teaching is, yes, of course murder is wrong. But Jesus is wanting our righteousness to exceed the righteousness of the simply religious. He's saying that we need to consider what's inside of us from an anger standpoint, from a reactionary standpoint. When we get full of emotions and we just say this or that about someone else, he wants us to, to look at what's inside of us is what he's pointing out here. Let me quickly show you something else here. Go ahead, but keep this page marked, but I want you to turn up a few pages in the Bible and find chapter 12 of the book of Matthew. So we're staying right here in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 12. And I just want you to look down 
at verse 34 with me. It says, Brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? Remember, we're told in the Old Testament book of Samuel, we are given insight into the fact that the Lord does not see as man sees. For man, that's you and I, mankind, right? We look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So righteousness is not merely an outward thing, okay? Because again, you could look at the scribes and the Pharisees, or you could look at religious people today and say, oh, look at them from an outward appearance. Oh, there's an appearance, right? Oh, there's a, a pastor. Oh, there's a priest. Oh, there's a nun. Or there's a this or that, right? This outward appearance, right? But that's not what God's looking at. God's looking at the heart, right? Righteousness begins in the heart, and this is where God looks at us. He sees the inner us, that which others do not see. That is why we need to seek God to change us from the inside out. Again, I, I was talking to you earlier about Hebrews 4.12, how that's what the Word of God does. It's powerful. It changes us from the inside out. That's why we can't just look at it with our carnal mind, our natural man, and look at it and say, okay, you know, I'll pick out a few scriptures that I like because these scriptures don't ruffle my feathers, but I'm going to kind of skip over these scriptures over here because they hit me hard, and, I, and I'm just going to ignore them, right? And, and that happens to me all the time. You know, oh, I wish I could ignore that, you know, today, the way the Lord's speaking this to me or whatever, right? So if we walk around on this earth trying to be righteous from an outward appearance, that is like for us, maybe go to church, you mind your P's and Q's, right, around other people. But what's inside of us, if there's anger, backbiting, gossip, malice, where we have revengeful thoughts and such, well then, we really aren't all that righteous after all, are we? Right? So Jesus wants us to take a look inside, and that's what he's teaching here. So as we flip back now to Matthew chapter 5, and we pick it up again in verse 24, Jesus goes on to say, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge. The judge hands you over to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. You see, Jesus wants you and I to deal with, right? To, that is to not ignore the problems that we have within us that stem from something that's wrong within our own hearts, in our own inward being, right? Again, remember, I prefaced all this by saying we got to look at things spiritually, okay? Never am I going to teach a message and, and, and teach anything to you guys where I'm looking at you and pointing something out about you because all I need to, to see uh, somebody that needs help is to get a mirror. I just need to look into a mirror and I'll see a man that needs help. Okay, So, so when we study the Word of God, we're, we, we need to let it 
do what it does within us and be open to receive it and be willing to, to be obedient to it, right? It's great to bring your gifts to the altar. That is, it's great to sacrifice to the Lord, to praise the Lord, to worship the Lord. But if we do so with a dirty inside, then Jesus is saying you're accomplishing nothing because it's about what's in you that really matters, right? It really only makes things worse because not only do you have a heart problem, but you have a human relationship problem as well as a result of what comes out of your heart, right? Remember, from the abundance of the heart, Jesus said, the mouth speaks. So when we find ourselves speaking forth things like, oh, why did I say that? Or, oh, why did I think that? Or, oh, why? Well, it, it's, a, it's a hint for us to look at the heart because from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? Have the words of your mouth, right? Those words that stem from maybe an ugliness within you, have they offended others, right? And then have you just gone on your merry way and gone off to worship the Lord thinking that those people deserved what you said? And you're just glad that you got it off your chest. That's the, the, what the mentality is of today, right? Just get it off your chest. Go ahead, just say it. Well, it ain't, coming off your chest isn't the problem for us. It's what's coming out of our heart. That's the problem for us, right? But this is not what Christ wants us to be like. And we know, and Jesus knows, that we all have sinned. But do we just accept that sin? and live it over and over again? Or do we hear the teaching of Jesus, repent, right, and clean up our insides and stop offending others, right? Again, Jesus wants us to be clean on the inside, and he's provided the way for that to be so, and he is the way. It's through faith in him, and we'll talk about that more. It's, it's through being a follower of Jesus Christ, Right. Let's continue, though, here. Verse 27. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. But it is more profitable, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast in hell, into hell. So again, Jesus is still teaching us here from the same train of thought, right? He wants us to be serious about what's on the inside of us. The lust of the eye is also rooted and grounded in the heart. If your eye is seeing things that cause you to stumble or fall, then cut it out. That is, train your eye not to look on those things, right? This is in your control. But remember here, Jesus is saying that that righteousness is more than an outward thing. If you're lusting after this or that, then whatever this or that is, is rooted and grounded somehow in your heart. Get rid of that. Stop looking in that direction. If the eye is a problem, get rid of that eye problem. Right? That's what Jesus is saying here. Get rid of the problem. Cut off that thing. That's a problem. Right? Take the heart of the matter seriously. Again, the scribes and the Pharisees were righteous 
from an outward appearance, but the Lord looks upon the heart. Verse 31 continues, Furthermore, it, it has been said, Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. So in other words, like it's, it's that simple. It's that easy. You want a divorce, then all you have to do is go, go get one. And it's much easier today, I'm sure, than it was back in that day, right? But Jesus says, But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. You see, in the eyes of the Lord, divorce is not an easy thing. Nor is it the end of a marriage, right? The only reason Jesus gives here for divorce is sexual immorality. And I'll teach more on the topic of divorce at a later date, but I want to keep you focused here this morning on the heart, right? Looking at the heart, and that's what Jesus is doing here, saying, you know, your righteousness is something that has to come from within. It's not just about written laws. We say, oh, I, I follow the law. The, the law says I can get divorced. I'm, I'm a good guy. I follow the law, right? I follow the law, so I didn't do anything wrong. Right, because the law says I could do it, right? But you can follow all the laws and you can follow all the tradition, all the religion that you want, but it means nothing if the heart's not right. Most divorces today are caused by what's in a person's heart selfishness, discontentment, bitterness, envy, lust, all kind of things. I'm sure. By for reasons that people have gotten divorced, Penny and I have been married 31 years. I'm sure there's been plenty of reasons that we could have came up with over the years to say, ah, no, let's just cut this off. Let's just get divorced. But no, it wasn't, it wasn't an option. We had to get over ourselves. We had to get over our discontentment, bitterness, or whatever, whatever might have crept in. You got to look beyond it and say, no, this is my heart problem. And we need to look past this, right? But again, this is a, a much deeper topic, the whole divorce topic, than I'm going to address this morning. So don't consider this a, a teaching on divorce. We're talking about this morning the heart, right? And that righteousness that is deeper than just an outward appearance, okay? Verse 33, again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. So, What's this talking about here? Integrity. Who you are. Again, it's an inward thing, right? If you'll say you're going to do something, do it. Don't back out of it. Your character is, is defined by who you are internally, first of all. And then your character is revealed by the things that you do outwardly, right? But the heart of the matter is the heart. You have heard, verse 38, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. 
But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn also, turn the other to him also. So what's this speak of? Self-control, right? Self-control. And of course, where's self-control come from? Within. It's a matter of the heart. To resist not an evil person means not to retaliate, right? But walk away. Do all that you can to be a person of peace. But this goes against the natural man, doesn't it? It goes against the carnal, carnal mind, right? Today, the mentality, the natural man's mentality is a tit for a tat, right? Someone speaks wrongly of you, you speak wrongly of them. Someone slaps you in one form or another, whether physically or emotionally, you get slapped or you slap them back. That's the natural man. But Jesus is saying we can get to a place within us and, we can, and it's only through Him, it's only through, his, it's only through yielding to Him that we can be there where we have peace. We can walk away. I don't need to retaliate for what you just did to me, for the way you treated me or whatever. That's, that's your heart problem. I've got my own. I'm not going to take yours on as well. I'm not going to allow you for me to have another heart problem. And I'm not going to allow you to bring that on me, right? Verse 40, if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. So you want to sue the shirt off of my back? Go ahead, I'll give you my whole closet. That's what he's saying here. I'll give you my whole closet full of shirts. You know? Again, do you notice how contrary to the natural man, to, our, to the natural mind, to the way everyone lives, this kind of teaching is? It's very contrary, right? But that's why I read to you in the beginning that we need to be that spiritual man, right? When I use the word man, mankind, right? Human beings, right? We need to be that spiritual man and not that carnal-minded man, right? We're to be in this world, Jesus said, but not of this world, okay? We shine like lights. We've talked about that in weeks past. We're, we're salt and light on the earth. We're to do good here. Okay? True Christianity, biblical Christianity, is completely contrary to this world. We are to look more like Jesus than we do the rest of the world around us. Verse 41, And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You see, we, we must remember that we are to fix our eyes on Jesus. And that's key in this study here this morning, right? That we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. He alone is the author and the finisher of our faith. It starts with Him, right? And as Christians, we're followers of Christ, like I mentioned earlier. What does that mean? It means He set up a pattern for us. This is the way we are to live. This is what we are to look like. Here's his words that we're reading this morning. This is what we need to actually live out. That makes us a follower of Jesus Christ. We're following in his ways, right? We are not to be materialistic, holding on to things and gathering all that we can for ourselves in this world. If someone has need, we are to be givers because God will supply all of our needs. And we have no need to worry about that. And we'll talk about that more 
in chapter 6. Jesus wants our eyes fixed not on the kingdoms of this world, not on the things of this world, but he wants our, our minds, our eyes to be fixed on the kingdom of God and what? And his righteousness. Okay? But I'll repeat, where does it all start for us? It all starts within the heart. It all starts with who we are internally. And again, I know that a lot of what we're talking about here today is not what modern-day Christianity looks like, but it's what Jesus wants us to do. It's what the Word of God looks like. Verse 43, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, in our carnal minds or our, or our un-Christ-like minds, that makes sense, doesn't it? You love me, I'll love you. You hate me, I'll hate you. But what Jesus is calling the righteous person to is to do the exact opposite of that, of what the carnal world displays. Verse 44, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Now, the tax collectors were despised people of that day, right? Uh, they, they, they weren't very good people in the way they treated people, not just for the sex, fact that they were collecting taxes, but for the way they did it, the way they went about it, right? And if you greet, Jesus says, and if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so, right? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. So Jesus speaks pretty plainly here, right? It's not hard to understand what he's saying. It may be a hard pill to swallow, as they say, but he's very clear in what he's saying here. And just so you know, that word perfect there in verse 48 is a word that means completeness. You and I, if we profess to be followers of Jesus Christ, are to be moving ever closer every day to being complete, like focusing on Him, perfected, more perfected, right? A finished product, if you will, that over time can become very well done. We are to, as the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 14, we are to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. This is a high calling. It's, it's outside of the world. It's something different. It's something contrary. And, and we, we've got to press toward it. We focus our eyes on that. We fix our eyes on that prize. And we're going toward that. Why? Because of where we're ultimately going is into eternity. You know, this life, I don't know if you've noticed. We've got younger people here that, that probably haven't noticed yet. But this life is, goes by fast. <laughs> It's a vapor that James says it appears for a short time and it's gone. We have loved ones that were in our lives that we knew, people that we knew, they were here and then they were gone, you know? And we're headed for that same place that this life's going to end. It's temporary. But there's a high calling. 
There's something that we're going toward. There's, there's a prize. There's eternity for us in a wonderful place. But Jesus is saying this is how you need to be. This is the righteousness that allows you to see the kingdom of heaven. This is the righteousness. And he makes his son, it says there in verse 45, he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust, right? You see, God is perfect. He is the epitome of completeness. When the sun that he created, when it shines on the earth, it's shining on those that are his children and it's shining on those that are not his children. An evil person can plant a garden and the rain will water that garden too, that that evil person planted, and, and it will grow, right? God's love is perfect in that way. He, his love is for all, right? He so loved the world. He so loved this ungodly mass of men, us, you and me, all the men and the women of the world. He so loved them that he displayed this love by giving his only begotten son. The word of God that created all that is became flesh and dwelt among us. That is, he became one of us. He died for your sin, for my sin for the sin of all the world. There is no greater love than the love that God the Father sent our way in Jesus Christ. So if we are in Christ today, we have the mind of Christ. We do have that mind. Again, sometimes we can get so tied up in some situation, something that's so emotional, some problem, something that we lose control and I'm not saying, I'm not talking about losing control, flipping out, but we just, let, we just give over control to our emotions or to what someone else brings into our lives, their problems, their ways, whatever it is, right? But we have the mind of Christ. If you repented of your sin, that is if you've decided to come to Christ to deny yourself, to take up the cross and follow Jesus, then you are in Christ and you should be living in a manner that Jesus describes here in these verses. We should be striving to live that way. We should be heading in that direction. Right? But you can't do this. We can't do this. I can't do this by allowing my carnal mind to rule the day, by allowing my emotions to rule the day. Being that emotional person that always flies off the hand or whatever. We cannot continually, day after day, keep living, being led by our carnal nature and then call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ. We would be what? Hypocrites. Right? We must completely die to ourselves. But it doesn't take long, does it, for us to realize that we're not yet complete are we? We have not yet arrived. It, won't like, it might not take long for today for us to leave this Bible teaching and then quickly find out that we still have some ugliness in us. But Jesus is teaching us here this morning that we need to take a look at what's on the inside. Again, I read that scripture. Let the spiritual man think about what we're studying today. Not just a carnal mind. This is not just a a Sunday go-to-meeting Christian, right, that just punches the clock, and then we leave the, the Bible study never changed. We're, we're forgetful hearers of what we just heard. We can't be that, right? Our righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the hypocritical religious. We can't be just a hypocritical 
religious person. Our righteousness must exceed that. The best way to understand how uh, clean we are not is by first recognizing how dirty we are. We can't go through this life acting like, oh, I'm clean. Oh, oh, I'm good. No, I know I'm not. I know I'm not. But the good news is, is that there is something that does wash us, that has washed us, I should say, and makes us perfectly clean. It is the blood of Christ. Colossians 2.10 speaks of Jesus Christ and and speaking of you and me, it says that we are complete in Him. Right? So Jesus is teaching here, be complete, be perfect. But you know how the only way that we are is when we're in Christ. That's the only way that we're, we are complete. The question is, is that how you are choosing to live your life on a daily basis? Is that our choice today? Because we do have a choice. Are we choosing each and every day to be in Christ? Choosing to live like Christ is in us? Desiring to live in the way that He teaches us? If we are, then people are going to see it. And they're going to see that we're not a slap for a slap. Right? Uh, you know, retaliatory. Right? There, there'll be no ugliness spewing out of our mouths because we're fixed on Christ and the way He is and on the fact that Christ is in us. From the abundance of the, our heart, our mouth will speak forth words of love, words of peace. And I'm not telling you this morning again that this is easy. It's contrary to the flesh. It's not easy to the carnal mind, the carnal man. We live in a dog-eat-dog world and everyone's striving to be the big dog, Right? But this is not the way of the follower of Christ. So Jesus is presenting to us here in Matthew chapter 5 as we finish it up here this morning. Something that you may say, oh, I just can't do it. And you know what? In and of ourselves, we cannot do. We cannot live that, that kind of life. But we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. But when we break up this gathering this morning, what will we choose to do? Will we choose to be hypocritical religious people that heard the teaching of Jesus as it's written in the Word of God and then just go through the rest of our lives, the rest of our day, the rest of our week, living as carnal-minded, fleshly-led people? Or will we say, I need to seek the Lord in my life. I need to grow. And everyone, that's what I have to say. I need to grow. And I need to turn my life more and more on a daily basis over to the Lord. Why? Because every day my flesh wakes up, right? It's like I can put on the whitest, cleanest pair of shoes, but I got to go walk in that dirty world. And those shoes are going to get dirty. And when I get up in the morning, I've got a, I've got a dirty world that I've got to live in. But I've got to make a choice on this day. And that is to fix my eyes on Jesus, right? The Christian life, remember, the Christian life is about surrender. I give up. I, I'm dead to me. I can't do it. I'm, I'm weak. But in my weakness, the Bible says His strength is made perfect. And that's what I need, His strength. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. 
And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I will ask you to pull out your Bibles sometime this week and take some time to meditate on that scripture. Galatians 2.20 Because it tells us to be dead to our fleshly carnal nature and to be alive in Christ Jesus. Then it explains to us that we are to now live this life in this temporary body of ours. We're to live it by faith. Okay, It's the unseen. It's not being reactionary to what's happening. It's it's saying, no, by faith, I'm going to live differently than what's happening. My emotions are saying this right now, but by faith, I'm turning that off. And I'm going to operate in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to operate in self-control, right? We don't walk by sight anymore. No longer do we live by, or should we be living by, I see it, I want it. We're not to be led by our feelings. We're not to be led by our emotions. If lust, anger, envy, covetousness, revenge, gossip, or anything of that sort reveals itself in our hearts, we need to, by faith, like I said, just turn away from it. Walk away. Don't go where these things are. I'll share a quick little story with you. I wasn't going to, but... Penny and I, we started doing like a little part-time thing to earn some extra money, Uber Eats, right? So we've been out doing that. One day we were driving out in Apache Junction and I said, you know, they've got all these strip bars and stuff out there. I said, what if we get a delivery there? You, what am I going to do? Because you already accept the delivery, you, you have it, right? Well, guess what happens? <laughs> Two days later, late at night, we get a delivery for these street taco things, and we're following the address. Oh, here we are, Desert Flame. Uh, and uh, I said to Penny, we've got the food. I'm not going in. Because, you know, I'm the one that's supposed to make the delivery. I said, I'm not going in there. I said, you're darn right you're not going in there. <laughs> I said, I'm not going there. Because I know what putting an image in my head would be. I know what putting that image in my head. It'll be there a long time. You know, so I said, you're going in there, but you've got 10 seconds <laughs> and, and you've got 10 seconds and you better be right out that door. And she was, it was probably four seconds, you know, <laughs> here you go, person's name, whatever, you know, but so anyway, look, we have to choose those kind of things in life, don't we? I'm not going to go there. Why? Because I'm weak. Because I'm weak. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to let that be in my mind. Because it's going to stay there. So we need to humble ourselves, right? We need to die to ourselves, die to our emotions, put on Jesus Christ. That is, to become like Him, to be followers of Him. Let righteousness rule in your heart. Not religiosity. Not a self-righteousness, but an internal righteousness. A righteousness that comes because of Christ being in us. Will you be made complete today, by the end of today, by tomorrow, a month from now? From now, that is, 
will you in and of yourself ever arrive at perfection? No, never. Not ever in this life. As long as you keep your flesh alive, you will never be complete. But if you die to you, you give your life completely to Christ, you yield, you submit entirely to Him and to the ways of His teaching, then and only then will you be made perfect. We are complete only when we are in Him. Jesus said that apart from Him, we could do nothing. So who will lead your life from this moment on? Will it be you or will it be Him? You are not being called to a religion. We're not being called to a religious way of life. We're being called to die. Again, to take up the cross and to follow after Jesus. Let's pray.